Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. A myth sometimes that we're pulled into concerning the resurrection story is that the Lord, like, rode away the stone in order to get out. The Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord rode away the stone, not so he could get out, but just to show that he wasn't even there. The only people that ever had problems with the stone were those who were on the outside of the tomb. It never presented a problem to who was on the inside of the tomb. He was gone before the stone ever was rode away. I'm glad today we have a risen Savior. And as they sang this morning, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. We're going to be turning to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter number 6. And I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture uh, from this setting and from this passage. I'm going to read verse, starting with verse 31, and then I'll skip down, and I'll try to give you direction where I'm going as far as a little deeper in this particular chapter. Amen. And so, again, we just have one service here today. This affords everyone and their families to have time of together on this Resurrection Sunday. Verse 31, the Bible says, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Skipping down to verse number 48. Jesus says, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So in this story, there are really two breads spoken about. A bread that was showcased in the Old Testament, but also a bread that was showcased in the new testament a bread that was in the old testament that we might refer to as a what but a bread in the new testament that was a who amen and for a little while this morning i want to minister this on this resurrection sunday very simply the true bread from heaven the true bread from heaven we're going to pray one more time that the lord would help us We don't want there to be any disconnect from the pulpit to the pew. We want there to be understanding, amen, and something spoken into our lives. Father, we love you today. We're so thankful, Lord, for this opportunity. God, and we do celebrate, and we are grateful, Lord, today for the work, Lord, of Calvary. God, and for the dynamics, Lord Jesus, of a resurrection. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, it's in and through you, Lord, that we can have life and life more abundantly, and we're appreciative of that today. Touch us now, Lord Jesus, through the ministry of your word. Let your word find us, Lord, and educate us, and Lord, strengthen and inspire us. God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, I pray this morning. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. The church say amen. 
You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. I was telling some people this morning, I said I went in my kid's bedroom today and I said, hey, I said, he got up, so you need to get up. <laughs> and I was singing the song they were singing this morning, except instead of get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave, I said, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that bed. And so it's all applicable. It's Resurrection Sunday. <clears throat> According to an article about bread by Future of Journalism, there are over 200 different types of bread worldwide. Some of the brand names of bread, and uh, in our family, I do most of the grocery shopping, and so some of the name brands of bread in the bread aisle, uh, if you go to Walmart, that is, there's Nature's Own Bread. You can buy some Wonder Bread. Whoever came up with that name? Wow, that was great, wasn't it? Wonder Bread, Sarah Lee, amen, Pepperidge Farm, and does anybody know that's what I said? Look at you all. You bread connoisseurs, bunny bread. But biblical times didn't have quite as much bread and variety and choices as we do today. They had unleavened bread that didn't have any yeast, and they had leavened bread. They had barley loaves, and they had wheat loaves. But this is the first time here in John, the, 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 the gospel of John, the first time since the Old Testament that the Bible mentions that they had bread from heaven, bread from heaven. The original bread from heaven in the Old Testament was called manna. It was God-given. It came directly from God. The nation of Israel ate this bread from heaven or this manna for 40 years during their wilderness travels. The Bible describes it as a coriander seed. I don't know if any ladies are familiar with coriander seed as far as a spice in your spice cabinet, but that's not very big. Little, little round balls almost, and it was white. It was a small round thing. The Bible describes it as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And so God supplied to his people during those 40 years, if I may say, he supplied just some little bread bites uh, for the children of Israel. The Bible says that it tasted like wafers made with honey. And he told Moses, he said, Moses, I'm going to give this to my people. It's going to rain bread from heaven for them. And this was during the time of the wilderness years where uh, water and food at different times seemed scarce. And the children of Israel, even at one time in their journeys, had said that they would have much rather died in Egypt with their bellies full of, from the bread of Egypt than to be taken into the wilderness and to perish because of hunger. And so bread was very significant for them on their journey. Bread was significant for every mid-eastern individual it was a part of their diet it was one of the main staples of their diet uh, I read in scripture that even a poor man or a prisoner at least could have a meal that consisted of bread and water even the least among us and so manna in the Old Testament was a God sinned for the Israelites it was there each day for their gathering except on the Sabbath and even and then the day before that day God would provide twice as much in order to cover the day that it did not fall on the ground so in other words the bread of heaven was provided every day of the Israelites lives and they called that manna that came to them they called it manna because manna means uh, what is it 
And Moses told them plainly, that is bread. And so since they had this every day, what this meant for them in their wilderness journeys was this, is that whenever water was limited, they had bread. When they were grieving the loss of a loved one, they had bread. When the desert heat was so unbearable and beaten upon their brow, they almost could not take it, they had bread. When there was disputes and schisms among the different tribe members of different tribes, they they had bread. They knew every morning that the bread would be there. They had faith that the bread would be there. They depended on the fact that the bread would be there. But when we come over into the New Testament scripture, Jesus gives a new application to the bread of heaven in the New Testament. He, he takes something that the Israelites, he takes something that the Jews are very familiar with and he draws a comparison out for them. He says in verse 32 of our text, then Jesus said to them, verily, verily, I say unto you, May Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he, and that's important, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. More than one time in the Gospel of John, chapter number six, Jesus tells them, Jesus says that I am the bread of life. He tells them that the true bread from heaven That bread of God is he which came down from heaven and giveth life to the world. He was telling them that the bread in the New Testament that he is speaking to them about is not a what, but this bread is a who. It's interesting because there's some comparisons that happen between the Old Testament manna and the New Testament true bread of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. The manna was what is it? They didn't know. And so that's how it got its name. But the New Testament bread, the true bread, the Lord Jesus Christ was also the who is it? Because all throughout Jesus' ministry of preaching and teaching and healing their sick, different things would come about at different times and the people would say, what manner of man is this? They're wanting to know about this guy. Art thou that he should come or should we look for another is something that John the Baptist even said of him. Others said, who art Thou. Others said, is this not the carpenter's son? Because they couldn't believe some of the things that he said and some of the things that he done just to be another individual that was born of humanity. Some said, art thou the Christ? Others said, art thou king of the Jews? But this bread, the Lord Jesus Christ, this who is still just like manna God-given. The Bible says, and you know it well, that God sent forth his son. The fame that John 3, 16 is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This bread in the New Testament of heaven, the true bread is still God given. But he came to us just as manna did in the Old Testament. It was small. It was not anything that was sizable. And the Lord showed up in Bethlehem's manger. Amen. And his entrance wasn't the entrance of, of a king's stately entrance. He didn't come, it seemed like, with 
robes of royalty, but he came in the humble beginnings of a boy that was born in a manger. His estate was so small that the Bible says that whenever his mom went to give her sacrifices for the purifying of herself because she had a child, the law said she should bring a lamb, but they even didn't have the means for lamb. The Bible says they brought just a couple of turtle doves for this purifying because this was the condition, the estate that Jesus was born into. For that matter, in the grand scheme of the world of that known time, Jesus' start was small and seemingly insignificant. You might even say it was small as a coriander seed. Amen. The apostle Paul said that this Christ had no reputation and he had the form of a servant. But just as bread was an essential part of every man's diet, amen, even the poor and the prisoner, likewise, the New Testament true bread needed to be a part of people's lives as well. And so Jesus walked among humanity and he would intertwine himself in the lives of humanity. The Bible says he catered to the poor. The Bible says he encouraged people to give unto them and to minister unto them. The psalmist said, that he heard, this Christ heard the groaning of the prisoner. Many people heard of Christ. Many people were touched by Christ. The Bible says at different places that his fame went throughout the whole land in so much. Some said the world is gone after him. Why? Because he become a part of the lives of humanity. He came a part of their dilemmas. He came a part of their successes. He came a part of their woes. He was if you will, some daily bread. Amen. Some daily bread. The Bible tells us that every day, amen, that the Israelites were supplied with bread, the bread of heaven, that manna. But Jesus would now in the New Testament be that everyday bread that they would need. In so much that we read when his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them the prayer that he would have them to pray. Jesus included a little phrase in there that I believe encompasses the essential of him being a daily part of their life when he said when you pray pray give us this day our daily bread what that meant is this it means when there was trouble they had Jesus when they stood at Lazarus's tomb they had Jesus when others left they had Jesus when the doctor said there was no hope they had Jesus when they were all alone they had Jesus they had faith that he would be there they depended upon him being there he was the bread from heaven and for 33 and one half years he was their daily bread Someone say amen. amen. And the Israelites, having manna day after day in their wilderness journeys in the Old Testament, bread from heaven, though it may have been called, through familiarity. You know, kids are saying, what are we having tomorrow? Bread. What are we going to have for this special occasion? You know, it's Jimmy's birthday. Bread. It's from heaven. It, 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 its purpose and its, its, its entrance into the life is miraculous. But through the process of having bread, and on Tuesday bread, Saturday we're having bread, 
Sunday special dinner, bread. Through their familiarity, it caused disgust to the people that constantly partook of the bread. They, they seemed to almost sneer a little bit when they saw, well, there's the bread again. Uh, a little disgust in the taste. I've tasted this bread for many days. And well, you know, although it's bread from heaven and the Bible said it tasted like honey, they just constantly had this bread. And if I may say it like this this morning, the regularity of the gift created a dislike and ungratefulness for what they had every day. Over and over and over. And as a result, the book of Numbers says this. Follow me closely here. As a result, the book of Numbers says this concerning the manna. Due to the people's disgust. Due, due to their moaning and groaning over the same old bread of heaven. The Bible says that the people, rather than just gathering it and eating it, that they gathered it, they grinded it, they beat it, they baked it. And then they ate it. Why? Because they could no longer just accept the bread as the bread was. And when they were disgusted enough over it and they tasted enough of it and it became familiar enough to them, they said, we're going to improvise. We're going to grind it and beat it. <laughs> we're going to grind it and beat it because we can no longer just accept it as it is. And so they took it upon themselves to do that. But ladies and gentlemen, the Old Testament what? Became a New Testament who? The Lord Jesus Christ, the true bread from heaven. And I'll tell you what happened to him was similar to what happened to the manna. Because when he had been around the people enough and enough blind eyes were opened, and enough deaf ears were unstopped and the mute were speaking again and some were raised from the dead and he supplied bread to the multitudes of 5,000 and bread to the multitudes of 4,000 when he'd been around enough and it's Jesus on Monday and Jesus on Tuesday and it's Jesus again and Jesus doing that and Jesus doing this that the people became discontented with Jesus as he was. And it's often said, and you've heard it before, on the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, amen, whenever Jesus came in, there were crowds of people that ran out to meet him with their palm branches, and they are crying, Hosanna, which means save us now. They were begging, save us now. They were saying, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord on the triumphal entry. But a few days later, some of the same ones are going to be hollering out, crucify him, because they become discontent contented and familiar with the true bread from heaven how in the world because they have been blinded to the preciousness of the gift Woo. the miraculous gift that had been given unto them Jesus even says in Luke 22 and verse 53 that he's in the garden they're coming to apprehend him with swords and staves. Judas is there to betray him. And Jesus states these words about those that have come to them. Note what he says. He says, when I was daily. Everybody say daily. Daily bread. He said, when I was daily with you in the temple, he stretched forth no hands against me. In other words, you laid no hand on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Jesus was conveying to them, I was your bread, your true bread from heaven. I was your daily bread, and you didn't handle me like that then. You, you, you didn't handle me like that then, but they're going to arrest him. They're going to take him to brutal hours of trial. They're going to take him to Calvary's tree and crucify him, and guess what? They ground and they 
beat and they baked the man and they're going to mock and they're going to beat and they're going to slap the face and they're going to give brutal stripes and a thorn crown upon his head. What are they doing? They're grinding the bread. They're beating the bread. No longer would they accept him as he was. Someone say amen. But it's all a part of the process. It's all a part in reality of the scheme of the divine of heaven. Because whenever they handled the manna with grinding and with beating, the Bible said its taste then became as fresh oil. And I'm here to tell you today, when the true bread of heaven, Christ Jesus, was handled with the mocking and the scourging and the beating and the crucifying, all it did was reveal him even more as the Messiah. Amen, which is just a word that means the anointed. He was the fresh oil. I don't want to get anybody lost here today in all of the metaphorical language of the bread. But Jesus made it plain and simple. And, and I actually, my Bible reading on, on Friday morning, a good Friday, I came across this in the English Standard Version that I was reading. It, it just boils it all down, takes out some of the other words and puts them together in a clear, concise thought. And it says this, that Jesus basically said, I am the living bread. And the bread that I will give. Calvary's not happened yet in John 6. He says, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Before there's ever any soldiers coming, before there's ever a garden of Gethsemane, before, before the Passover, amen, and the dinner, any of those things ever took place, Jesus is standing here quite in advance, and he's alluding to the Calvary that would come. Amen. All of these things that he is speaking about, of that bread, his flesh being given for the life of the world, it all prefigures Calvary of what's going to happen there. He said, I will give my flesh. Amen. I'm the bread he said but that bread is my flesh I will give my flesh for the life of the world and that struck me this week he did not say I will give my flesh for the lives of the world he says I will give my flesh for the life of the world because there is really only one life of the world I understand there's many people I understand there are many nations and many races and many ethnic groups but they all share the same life I understand they have varying occupations and they have varying labels upon their lives understanding some of them are saying I'm living according to my truth but their lives collectively show forth the life of the world and that is a light that is in need of a savior that is a light that is in need of a God that is a light and so he says I'll give this bread which is my flesh for the life of the world I don't have to call out each individual you all all of us were born after the Adamic nature of Adam we're born as brother Malone says sinners that's the life of the world and there needs to be some bread one body that will be beaten that will be cursed that that will supply the need of the life of the world. Amen. One translation says, this bread is my flesh given to redeem humanity. He said in Hebrews 10, the writer did, then said he, lo, 
I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will, that will of God, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He did away with the first so that he could establish the second. I realize that in the setting of Hebrews 10, what that is talking about, in the setting of Hebrews 10, that verse is applying to all of the Old Testament offerings, all the Old Testament sacrifices that people did to try to atone and make right their own lives and their own sin. Christ, the word is speaking. He says, I'm going to take away that first. All of those old offerings, all of those old sacrifices to establish the second, the perfect sacrifice of the Lamb of God that John said takes away the sins of the world. I'm going to take Take away the first in order to establish the second. But I also know that the taking away of the first is the taking away of the first covenant that was totally dictated by the law that said if a man can keep enough, enough little check off boxes, maybe he could find some reassurance in the Lord. Amen. But when we get into the New Testament, past the gospels and past the resurrection, we're not living in the umbrella of a law anymore, but a law that's been fulfilled by grace. And so I understand he did away with the first, amen, in order to establish the second, the grace. But then when it's talking about his body, something else comes to mind, that there was also a first bread from heaven that was called manna in the Old Testament. And he did away with the first in order to establish the second of the true bread that's from heaven, the, the living bread. Someone say Amen. Why are you saying this, Pastor? Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because here we are in John 6, and Jesus has just fed a multitude with bread. There's a lot of talk about him being the living bread and all these things. And among all this, the people bring up the manna stuff of the Old Testament. Years gone by. Matter of fact, the people are so bent on talking about man and how glorious the gift was and, you know, sustained them day in and day out in the wilderness that Jesus, it's like, Brother Fred, he's like, let me pull back the curtain for a moment. Let's do away with something so that we can establish something else. Let me tell you the truth about your manna. Because it seems like manna and the true bread from heaven tracks pretty good. But what the Lord's about ready to show is that the manna has some shortfalls. But the shortfalls you find in the manna, you're not going to find in the true bread from heaven. Where the manna lacked, the true bread from heaven is still going to succeed. He told them plainly. He said, yes, all of your years in the wilderness, you ate manna. He said, but those that traveled in the wilderness, they are dead. In other words, he's saying manna could only do so much for them. The bread could only go so far for them. That bread had its limits. Someone say amen. I'm being mindful of you. But if you turn back to the fourth verse of John 6, it informs us and it tells us that this whole setting of chapter number 6 is during a time when Passover is nigh. Passover is approaching. 
And so for every Jew, whenever one of their festivals are coming, their mind is totally submerged, thinking, meditating on what's all involved concerning the festival. They're thinking about lambs. They're thinking about uh, their meals. They're thinking about unleavened bread. They're thinking about sacrifice. Their minds are totally, amen, involved with what Passover means, both in the present and what it had meant in the past. So would say amen. And so that's why, in my opinion, why these people are bringing up the idea and recalling the old bread from heaven. Just, I'm going to walk here for a moment. Because the old bread from heaven, manna, stopped. Someone say stopped. It seized around the Passover season. You know that once manna began, it didn't continue. It stopped around the Passover season. Look with me very closely. I'm trying. Joshua 5 and verse 10. I mean, folks, this was early in the morning that this just hit me today. I mean, probably around 1.30 this morning as I read these verses of Scripture. Joshua 5 and 10 says this, And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal. They've already been around Jericho's walls. They've already failed the first time at Ai and went back and succeeded. They're now at Gilgal. They are at their land of promise. And the Bible says, And kept the Passover. We don't really see that a lot in the wilderness journeys. It got them out of Egypt. But they're traveling, they're pitching their tent, they're bringing them. But now that they've reached this land of promise, they keep the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. Look at verse 11. You might have to jot back and forth to some of these for me, Brother Zach. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after Passover. That's the next day after Passover. They ate of the old corn of the land, unleavened cakes, which was known to be the feast, what was the start of the feast of unleavened bread and parched corn in the selfsame day. Verse 12, look at this now. And the manna seized on the morrow. We're talking about after the day of unleavened bread. It seized on the morrow after they had eaten, it tells us very plainly, the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. But they did eat the fruit of the land of Canaan that year because the feast of first fruits started on that day. Someone say amen. And so what we have here is on Passover when they would normally slay a lamb and it would be a lamb for the family. Huh? The very thing that got them out of Egypt with the blood on the doorpost. Amen. And the lentil. They were celebrating Passover. Do you know? And let's just take a little time here. Do you know that the Passover lamb was slain there on Passover day at the ninth hour, which is at 3 p.m. our time. That's when the lamb was slain. Do you understand that whenever Christ was crucified on Calvary, that it was Passover day? And the Bible says that darkness covered the earth from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, which is at 3 p.m. time, and it's then that he gave up the ghost. Because he's correlating for mankind the old lamb that you used to depend upon. Let's do away with the first so I can establish the second. Someone say amen. 
But the Bible says then on the morrow, they ate the old cord of the land and they made plain that it was unleavened bread. Unleavened bread doesn't have any yeast. Amen. Any ladies that are cooks out there, yeast does what? Yeast causes your bread to rise. But it's unleavened bread. Amen. There's no yeast in it. And so it's not going to rise. Who do we have in the tomb during the first day of unleavened bread we have a savior and it's that day that everybody's kind of freaked out by because he's dead in the tomb and it's not the third day yet he's dead in the tomb and they're wondering is the promise and the prophecy going to come to pass the bread isn't rising on the day that's in the middle someone say amen but when we come to the next day the Bible says that the manna seized but the Bible says they ate of the fruit of the land because that is the feast of first fruits that's when they have harvested the barley and it was on that day a priest is going to come forth with a barley sheath in his hand on that day and he's going to wave it before the people saying here are the first fruits of our harvest folks the New Testament scripture tells us even plainly in the book of Corinthians that Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us but it also tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 20 but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept I said they waved a barley sheaf among the people but on that day that bread that had been beat that bread that had been battered that bread that had been crucified that bread that didn't rise on the second day on the third day came forth as living bread I'm here to tell you this morning he said let's take away the first so I can establish the second those who ate the first bread they died but they tried to kill this bread they tried to entomb this bread they tried to do away with this bread but on the third day it got up it's a living bread it's a vital bread it's a What that means is, is the old bread from heaven manna seized on the very day that Jesus, years in the future, would resurrect. The old bread seized, stopped, because there was a living bread. That was walking forth and going to take its place. According to Isaiah 53, speaking of him, they said that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. They thought they laid the bread to rest. But the bread rose. Woo! The bread rose, and it was living bread. Man, a sister Craig was called bread from heaven, but that is it. That's where it stops. That's where it fades. That's as far as it can go. But Jesus doesn't only claim to be the bread from heaven, but the true bread from heaven. 
He claims to be the bread of life. He claims to be the living bread. That's how as he stood at the tomb of Lazarus with Martha, a sister that was distraught over a brother that had been dead for four days. Amen. That he told Martha that he will rise in the resurrection. And she's like, oh Lord, I know that he will someday rise. He will live again. Then he says, no, you don't understand it. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. How could you say that, Jesus? Because he was the living bread before they ever crucified him. He was the living bread before they ever entombed him he was the living bread when he got back up he's not changed he's not altered he didn't become something he wasn't he's always been and forever will be the true bread from heaven the living bread because where manna ends and where manna lacks and where manna stops Jesus continues manna left men dead Jesus left men Alive. The Bible says, In Christ shall all be made alive. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. If you'll stand with me this morning, the true bread. Some maybe here, perhaps here this morning, are trapped still in the old bread of heaven. The old manna that was a what, a what is it? When in reality today, you need the true bread from heaven, you need a who. You've been living your life for the what's. what you need is a who because what I learn about this man and what I learn about the what's is that they have their limitations the what's have shortfalls what do you mean brother McGee I mean this jobs fail so what success fades Relationships shift to what? Money moves on. Oh, yeah, I thought I'd get a hearty one there. To what? Health deteriorates. Possessions break down. All of that are what? This earthly life ends. All of that is a what? And you may have been living your life for the what's. The job, the success, the health, the relationship, the possessions, the maybe 70 years you'll have here on earth. Living it all for the what, when what you really need is a who. You need living bread, the true bread of heaven. The lyrics of the old song, and I'm just hitting a few of them, but the process goes like this. He came from heaven to earth. From earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. And that makes great lyrics. But I'm here to tell you it doesn't stop there. Those are good lyrics, but stopping there makes poor theology. Because he didn't just get up and leave us. 
wasn't just to the grave and he got up and to the sky and that was the end of the story. My Bible says, Woo! He said, if I leave, I'm going to, he said, I'll send the comforter. And then he says, I'll come to you. And in the book of Acts in the upper room, you know what it was? <laughs> not, not another case of the bread of heaven, the Old Testament, that stopped and never was around again. He showed up on the day of Pentecost. And my Bible tells me in Romans 3.11, but, here's the contrast, here's the conjunction, but, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. We don't use that word a lot. You think about quick, you're thinking about, man, you're sly, you got some jive. You got... No, 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 no. The word quicken means that he will make alive or he will give life to your mortal bodies by a spirit that dwells in you. What are you saying? If you interact and partake of this living bread, he'll cause you to live your life. You're saying, I'm living my life and I'm gonna die someday. Yes, we all are. But he'll give you a life that's after death, not for eternal damnation, but for everlasting life. The bread, the true bread from heaven does that. It won't stop it won't cease. It won't leave you. It'll be daily. It'll be renewing. It'll be as vibrant. And so my, my uh, juring to you today is this. Those of you that have experienced, that have tasted of it, have seen it, don't let it become familiar to you. That as they did the man and as they did the Lord in their day, they think, well, we can't just accept him as he is. We're going to grind we're going to bake. We're going to be. No, 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 no. Whew. Honey, if he's, he's really the true wonder bread. He's, he's, really, he's really the true wonder bread to have lasted all these years. He's not grown stale. He's not grown cold. He's not grown. There's no mildew or mold. And no, 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 no. It's fresh bread. It's the true bread of heaven. Can we close our eyes all across this place this morning? All across this place today. So, our man, I'm telling you today, you may be living your life under, underprivileged because you've been living your life for a what? If I just get that next promotion, then it, it's going to be better. Oh, just, just wait. We're going to have grandbabies soon. And then that, that's going to make all things, it's going to make all things as they need to be in life. And yet there's times when you're alone and you go to bed at night, there's still that gnawing in your soul that says this what and that what and this what. None of those things seem to be filling the void. The hunger that I have in my life. And it's simply this. You need an introduction to the true bread of heaven. You need an introduction to a who? The Lord Jesus Christ. You'll still have your woes. You'll still have your disappointments. But at least you'll have a living bread that said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you all away. That sounds daily, even until the end.
Sir, oh ma'am, I challenge you today. Exchange your what for a who. Exchange your what for a who. He's here to meet you today. I feel the presence of the resurrected Lord here today. He's living. He got up. And because he did, we have such a great, great, great privilege that's extended to us that we don't have to worry about. We don't have to worry about the the turns and the twists of life. Because I got something daily right here. It's not going to stop. It's not going to cease. You'll continue when everything else fails. When, when the elements of the world are burnt away. When the flower fades and the grass withers. There'll be the living bread. The true bread of heaven. This altar is open today. I pray that you would join me up here this morning. Those that would. That we would just spend some time. If somewhere along your life's journey, you sometimes we do this, we kind of, we shift. We shift from the who back to the what. And we show dependency there and then it fails and then we go back to the who. And I'm telling you today, just, just, just hold on to the who. Be enamored by the who. Be enamored by the Lord and what he has done. Not for me, not for good people. What he's done for sinners, right? He gave his life. What he did, preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us that while we were sinners, he died for us. But he got back up as the living bread. They're going to sing this morning. If God's been tugging at your heart, if you need to find the... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.